0: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
1: Hello, ahoy, welcome along to a brand new episode of Writer's Routine. This week, we're chatting to Alice Hunter. She's a debut writer. Her book, The Serial Killer's Wife, is out now. We talk about how lockdown affected her energy and her enthusiasm to write. I'm sure you've, you'll find, well, I'm sure you found it, it's happened for, for, for many of us, many writers, uh, over the last 18 years, 18 months, I think is how long it's been. Uh, Alice is really very good at articulating that. Uh, also, we talk about the post it notes and the flip charts that cover her wall. Uh, and Alice used to work in a prison. And she's taken that experience and the people that she met and the conversations they had to write this new book
2: they'd committed such serious violent offenses but they would have their wives or girlfriends come visit and they were telling me how they were supporting them and all that sort of thing and i just i suppose it was a thing of trying to understand those women and thinking oh i wonder why they're standing by their partner what do they really think? And all those things. So I'd already had that in my mind from when I worked there. And when the documentaries were all on about it, I just thought this is, would be a really good thing to explore. Having, you you know, using my background and, and things as well, it just seemed like, the, you know, it's the perfect kind of thing to do for me.
1: Stick around, there is more on the way in this week's Writer's Routine. Yes, welcome along. My name's Dan Simpson. This is Writer's Routine, the show where we take a look inside an author's working day. Uh, And this is our last episode of the year. Finishing a little bit early. It's been a busy, busy one. And uh, thank you very much for being a part of it. Thank you so much for for listening every week, sometimes twice a week when I've had the time as well. I hope uh, some of the advice and tips you've had along the way, we've had. 200 episodes now that's my cat by the way Have you heard that we've had 200 episodes in our time on the show and i hope you've had some advice along the way that has just maybe slightly changed or hugely helped the way that you tell your stories we are back next year uh, just having a slightly longer christmas break because things are going on uh, this week our last episode is with alice hunter her debut it's out right now it's called the serial killer's wife It's all about Beth and Tom Hardcastle. They are the envy of their neighbourhood. Everything is perfect until one day the police come a-knocking. Tom isn't about. And everything that Beth thought about their relationship shatters and she questions everything she thought she knew about her husband. We talk about writing the novel, how she developed the idea from her experiences working in a prison and completing a psychology degree. Also, whilst in prison, she was part of a team offering rehabilitation programs to men serving uh, lengthy sentences, often those who'd committed violent crime. We hear how that impacted her characterization. We chat about a day in the life of writing, the chaos that surrounds her, how she streamlines those ideas and focuses in on character. Uh, and let's get into it. For the last time of 2021, with what Alice Hunter sees around her in the place where she sits down to write...
2: Right, so I've got quite a small little writing room. Um, it's quite cluttered, so I, I'm afraid I'm not one of those people that's really neat. Um, it's quite chaotic, so I've got lots of, like, stuff around me. Um, I've got post-it notes all over the wall. I've – in front, right in front of me, I've got, um, like, um, a white – not a whiteboard, a cork board with – Index cards stuck all over it. Um, I've got oh, crikey! There's a big um, like flip chart board, and I've got like loads of notes written all over my flip chart. I've got books in a cupboard. I've got my desk that's rammed, <laughs> so it's got other books. It's got all the sorts of writing implements. Even though I don't actually write very much physically out, but you know, I've still got about fifty pens and um, little cards that have got quotes on. Um, there's a Sherlock Holmes one, because I think Sherlock Holmes is real in my own mind. Um, I've got, I don't know, there's just so much. I've got a photo of my parents on the desk so that they're keeping a watch, you know, they're keeping an eye on me, even though they're both passed on. Um, what else have I got? I've got Kindles. I've got
1: hundreds of notebooks. I've just, I, I squash quite a lot into this little room, in fact. Uh, Do me a favour, without giving too much away, just give us a sample of what's on one of the post-it notes, just so we can get a flavour of what you're telling yourself, how you're kind of, how you're...
2: Okay, so um, basically I've broken everything down into not even chapters, it's kind of thoughts really, so like how something sparked a memory, so like for example Beth, who's my main character in The Serial Killer's Wife, it's like... Um, some of her thoughts regarding what's going on so it's like key thoughts maybe that she's having about her husband at, in the initial stages but then you've got more of the planning kind of thing so some timeline make because the timeline was quite key to this um, in looking at some of the sort of um, the things that happened in the past I had to make sure the years were right and all that sort of thing so there's quite a lot of timeline issue things going on here I've also got the odd starred post-it note which has got edit this so it's I've probably got about 50 post-it notes on the wall as well as my my um, chart on the flip chart which has also got the timeline and various like key information on so it's kind of I'm surrounded by information and
1: things where I've gone no that doesn't work it's interesting because this is your this is your debut isn't it the serial killer's wife
2: with Alice Hunter yes so it's my first one with um, Avon under this contract so it's very exciting but also quite nerve-wracking in that they've obviously um my editor who is amazing has had some quite decent input into this so I've had a lot of support along the way so it's not been a case of writing the entire novel and then seeing, you know, what the issues are. I've kind of worked with her along the way. So some of these issues that I've flagged are also things that have been brought up and we've talked about. So it's been a bit of a different process, I suppose, really, than just writing a novel and sending it off and hoping for the best. It's been much more structured, um, although I have altered quite a lot along the way, as you do, because, you know, during the editing process, you, you realize, or oh, not editing during the writing process. Sorry, some of the things you think you're going to put in suddenly don't work, or you need to add something different. So it's been quite a a, a moving feast, if you
1: like, <laughs> of a novel. <laughs> it's just it's it's interesting that you that you've got all those things around you. As in, I've spoken to many authors; quite a lot of them are, are hard plotters, as it seems, as as it appears, you seem to be. Uh, very few people have quite as much around you why have you leapt into it straight in the way that you have with post it notes and whiteboards and flip charts why, why have you gone straight into the deep end of plotting
2: it sounds quite overboard doesn't it now you think about it <laughs> i'm just wondering if i've got a bit of a chaotic mind um it's like i can't, maybe i don't focus on one thing fully so i i might start with the post it notes actually, to be fair, I started just in a notebook with writing some um, key things that would need to happen in the novel. So then, so I just use everything, it seems. (laughs) I just must have that thing of, I've got to use all of the tools available, I can't just use one. So I don't know, I just think maybe, I'm quite visual, I suppose, in my work. So all these visual aids are quite handy, although they can be quite confusing as well, I must admit. So if I've altered something in my post-it notes that I then didn't alter in my notebook I might confuse myself so I don't really know why maybe I just need to whittle this down to one tool that could be a good tip couldn't it <laughs> just don't use everything that you've got to hand just have something but maybe it just, then again it worked and I think you know I, I enjoyed writing the novel I really did it was there's no Parts. Oh no, actually, that's a lie. There was a little part that was a bit difficult, but there were, mostly it was a really, you know, it went from beginning to end, and it worked. And so maybe my system of throwing all this stuff and having it all around me works. We shall see, I guess.
1: <laughs> um, what, what about this? You've got everything around you. If what and, and you're writing there, so you instantly know what ideas you've got, where you need to go next. What if I was to take you away from mission control of your writing room how, how good would you be at writing yeah in a cafe on a train on a plane where it's just you and the laptop
2: probably not very <laughs> i i um admire all these writers to see on like twitter or something they're posting their pictures i'm in this cafe writing it's all so lovely and it's it seems such a writerly thing to do but i yeah no i i don't write outside of this room so i'm i'm pretty sure i would be thrown into even more chaos if i was to be put somewhere with just the laptop i do have a few notes on my phone so if i had my phone with me i could probably write a bit but mostly literally on the laptop is just my word document with the novel on so you know you'd be able to write obviously but i would lose track of where i'm going i think
1: well tell me this we get quite niche so you're on your you're on your laptop you're writing in word um what font are you keen on using
2: oh i only use times roman 12 because that's what you're meant to use (laughs) when you do all the research before when you're beginning out with writing you look at all those kind of things and yeah the industry standard seems to be times roman 12 um, points so yep that is what i use well unfortunately um quite a lot of the research and planning was done just prior to lockdown but as i came to start putting finger to to, uh, to laptop, unfortunately, lo- lo- um, lockdown happened. So my mind was a little mm, unfocused, I think. So I settled into a routine that tended to be faff about in the morning, get all my, like I was looking, I was so obsessed with the statistics of um, COVID that I would be on the computer looking at that for most of the morning. And then maybe I, I actually found that I got back into reading because I'd had a bit of a, a you know, moment of not being able to get my head into anything. So maybe after looking at that, I would go out in the garden because it's really good weather and read a bit. So my writing day started really in the afternoon, um, which is, I know, a bit unusual. But it's it's like I got everything out of my head first that was not to do with the book. So then I could settle down in the afternoon. So I would write from two o'clock, actually, until about six. So not a lot of writing time, but I actually managed to be focused within those few hours. So um, that was kind of what I did. And I did that every day. But I don't tend to write weekends um, unless the editing took. I did edit over a weekend, but the actual writing itself was more Monday to Friday.
1: At six o'clock, when you've done your four hours of fairly focused work, uh, how good are you at switching off? Or is there always something that's... There's
2: always something. I don't think I... Probably ever switch off I think as I've probably confirmed I do have quite a chaotic mind so I've always got something going on in my head about the book um, about a character or about a twist that might happen or how I could you know sort out a plot hole so even when I'm finished at six and meant to be cooking the tea and stuff like that i i've still got that on my in my head so my husband will come home from his hard day at work chatting along to me about his day and i'm not listening at all not not a single word goes into my brain because i'm i'm trying to concentrate either on cooking or or doing something in my head with my novel bless him <laughs>
1: <laughs> at two o'clock when you sit down is there a goal for the day uh, I'm talking is there a word count or, or- yeah
2: word count I do I mean I always think a thousand words if I can get a thousand words a day that's good but um if I could do more obviously that's that's better but I would like I do try to keep to a word count just so that I feel like I'm moving forward but I don't like write anything I'm, I'm also not one of those writers that splurges everything onto the page so what I do write I tend to faff about with as well which I know is one of the no-nos with with writing tips normally but I do edit as I go so those thousand words will likely stay in the novel
1: how how perfect are those thousand words the first time you type them so I know you said you're editing as you go are you how how much are you preempting that by trying to make the word you're writing as close to the final word as it will be?
2: I do try to do that actually, which is it can slow the process so much, and I've I've tried not to do it, but unfortunately, as I'm doing it, or the other thing is the fact I can't think of the word that I want, which is even worse. So you'd think, well, just put any word in and move on, but I can't. I get stuck, and I have to think of that word, which is is quite frustrating really um because often it takes ages to think of the word that I meant and I have to like google it and stuff like that and think how does this you know what or thesaurus you know look at the thesaurus think oh god what is that word I want it's like just out of grasp so yeah it does take me a while and I do maybe a a bit, bit of a perfectionist perhaps on my first attempt which makes the editing a little bit easier afterwards but yeah, it can take you out of the flow of the novel, which isn't ideal. So I'm trying to to stop that.
1: With your 1000 word goal, how do you know what you're sitting down to write at two o'clock? Have you got a very specific plan for where you're hoping to get come six?
2: Yeah, I think in my when I got my just my notebook, I've got like a chapter plan, um, which means that at least I know roughly the order of how I want things to go. So, I mean, a thousand words, I don't, I don't, I write quite short chapters and I don't know if there are a thousand words in a chapter, but quite often I'll think, well, if I can get a chapter done, that's roughly sort of the amount of words that I would need for that to hit my target. So, um, like the night, when I finish at six o'clock, I might write a couple of notes on the actual manuscript, um, on word, just a couple of bullet points to remind me of where I wanted to go the next day. So, um, at least I can start, you know, as soon as I sit down to start writing, I did actually write. So, yeah, I've got quite a clear picture of where I was going.
1: And during those four hours, I know you said you, that your, your focus is pretty good. You're, you're quite good at concentrating because you've got everything else out of the way. When you do find your, your, your attention slipping though, uh, any tricks, any any little tips that you've learned along the way? A cup of coffee at a certain hour, a little bit of music to help you dive back in?
2: Um, I don't listen to anything. I don't listen to music. I'm, I'm complete... I love the silence when I'm writing, so don't do that. Um, I, I'm quite a coffee. I do drink a lot of coffee. Um, so, yeah, I might get up and just go down and make a coffee and come back maybe with a snack, <laughs> probably an unhealthy one, um, and just... So you're kind of thinking, but I also do puzzles, like jigsaw puzzles. So if I'm really stuck, I'll go into another room and do a bit of jigsaw puzzling. And quite often, things will come back to me there as well. And I can just restart. The other thing is driving. I mean, sometimes if you get, I mean, I, obviously, when it's locked lockdown, I couldn't do this. But just getting in the car and driving around for a bit and just watching the scenery and not trying to actively think about the novel things will just come pop into my head and I think, oh, that's a really good one. Then I just have to repeat it to myself again and again and again, so that when I get home, I haven't forgotten it.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role.
1: More on the way with Alice in just a sec. Very quickly, uh, if you're feeling the glad tidings and great joy of the Christmas season, if any of the tips that we've given you over the last year, over the last 200 episodes have helped the way that you write, if they've changed the way that you tell your stories, uh, you can always say thanks to that, giving a little bit back and pledging to support us over at patreon.com forward slash writers routine. A huge thank you if you've done that. Uh, I might be a little bit behind with the, um, with the merch, but they're on their way, I promise. It's Everything's all over the place, still over here. If you're overseas, that's what's holding it up. Uh, for your pledge, just a couple of dollars a month. It gets you our eternal thanks, it gets you merch, it gets you bonus content, and there is even a way for your book to sponsor this show. Anything that you give goes a long way, I promise. It helps us keep bringing you these chats with the best sources around as often as we can. Uh, and if you are feeling a little bit giving... You know, if you've had a good year, if you're feeling quite Christmassy, uh, we can always do with your help, with your pledges at patreon.com forward slash writers routine. Let's get back to it then with Alice Hunter talking about her debut novel, The Serial Killer's Wife. It's all about Beth Hardcastle, who thinks she knows everything about her husband, Tom. The clues in the title. He doesn't come home one night and everything she thought she understood crumbles around her. We talk about the tricks that she uses to keep a reader going and how they often come into play in the editing. That's where she really thinks about those and about the genre. Uh, And we pick things up talking about the novel and how that first idea came to her.
2: I think because of my background um, in working in the prison, I'd always had that... Like, it's it's just something I wanted to write about, like, something to do with a murderer. And, you know, that was always something that I'd wanted to do. So there was always that in my head. And then I don't... It's like a a culmination of a lot of things came together at once. to You know, it just gave you that idea. So I think I'd been, like, watching quite a lot of the true crime on Netflix at the time as well. Um, And there was the ted bundy tapes which really caught my interest and that's when i think i linked the um because they were talking about elizabeth elizabeth kendall the woman who was with ted bundy and that made me start thinking about like you know did she know what was going on really how much was she involved in all that sort of things that he was doing and when i was working in the prison there was quite a few occasions where i worked with men that who i knew their partners were waiting for them when they got out or they cre- you know they'd committed such serious violent offenses but they would have their wives or girlfriends come visit and they were telling me how they were supporting them and all that sort of thing and i just i suppose it was a thing of trying to understand those women and thinking oh i wonder why they're standing by their partner what do they really think and all those things so i'd already had that in my mind from when i worked there and when the documentaries were all on about it i just thought this is would be a really good thing to explore having you you know using my background and, and things as well it just seemed like the you know it's the perfect kind of thing to do for me
1: and when you figured that out when you know that you want to explore this and you are quite a plotter as we've discussed uh, what did you do to to figure this out uh, what, what what was the next stage after that initial idea talk us through what you did before you started writing
2: well a lot of it like was then researching so watching more of the same kind of things um also trying to write notes about things I remembered from because I worked in the prison for three years it's not an awful lot of time but there was an awful lot that happened within those three years so I was trying to then focus my memory back on who I'd worked with what their type what their crimes were and the things they told me. I know obviously I don't use anything specific to that the prisoner that I was working with, but it's more about the the reasoning behind their crimes and the the things that maybe I heard about the crime but also about the partners and how their lives are now. So I did a lot of note taking and thinking about um exploring themes of um trust and um domestic abuse all those kind of things there's quite a lot of things to unpick and to research so there is quite a lot of that kind of going on in the background and then it when it came to like characters so then it's thinking about okay so who am I gonna have in this story who's telling this story so i I wanted it to be the wife rather than being focused on the serial killer themselves because I thought you know that's what interested me in in a sense was what the wife was thinking so that's where my focus lay to begin with is thinking who is this person going to be so we figure she's Beth and I was thinking well what's her background going to be so it's like doing a real character you know pulling everything together about who she's going to be um, so she came first and then I had to think, obviously, about the serial killer because that's the title of it. So um, Tom then, I wanted to think about how he was going to um, be portrayed in the novel. So I had to really think about how I wanted it to do. So it's no secret, obviously, from the title about the serial killer part. So there's no... I needed the novel to go straight in at this. So I didn't want a big build-up of them finding out about Tom uh, so the novel does open pretty much with the you know him being immediately kind of questioned about a murder. So it, I knew that that was going to be the beginning. I think then it's easier to to like drop the rest in. Um, but then I also wanted to think about how I was going to bring in the victims of of his crimes. So that's why I ended up with the dual kind of timeline. So looking at back a bit as well, because, you know, knowing Tom in this situation, I thought it was important to look back at some of the whys and wherefores. So that's where that, so it just started like that really. And I think kind of went on and I mean, it it did alter during the writing. Um, I added in like a new thread that was a, uh, an unknown narrator so that hadn't been something I'd planned initially so things kind of uh, change organically really as you're writing.
1: The unknown narrator thread how did you come to realise that this was necessary if if you didn't expect it at the start what made you feel that you needed to m- maybe weave this in as well?
2: Okay so it's a bit difficult without giving spoilers. No of course of um, course I guess,
1: I guess the feeling then what made you feel it?
2: Um, because I felt like a lot of the things were happening in the past. So we were learning about Tom from his past. Um, So I wanted something that was a bit more current. So that's more of a... a, at the time of this novel rather than... about the time of the story rather, rather than looking back over some of the past things. So I felt like there needed to be a more current thread going through it.
1: What's interesting is many stories I've read, many authors I've spoken to uh, have kind of figured out quite a lot, a lot about their characters as they've gone along, uh, which is one way of doing it. And now, now because you know, because you know so much about what's happening at the start, I know that you said things happening organically, uh, but how, how are you getting to know your characters? You, You said that you're thinking about them, but what are you, how are you thinking about them to get to know them so much? That you can tell their story as soon as you start writing.
2: That's really interesting. Actually, I don't. I don't know whether it's just something that's because you do live with them in your mind so much <laughs> that I think they're almost real. You do, and I, maybe because I could link them to people that I knew as well, maybe that helped. Um, so, like Tom, I'd met. I've met. Not a serial killer. I might just add that in. It's a, he, he wasn't a serial killer. He was a murderer, but not, not a serial one. Um, so I, I was able to, when I'm thinking of Tom, maybe I'm linking a little bit into that person that I knew. So having somebody already that fits that character profile almost does help with the getting into their minds because I'd spoken you know, with this person um, and others like him on a one-to-one basis throughout my time at the prison. So I did get to know those people and I knew them as obviously convicted criminals rather than beforehand, but you learn a lot through that. So when I'm thinking of Tom, I'm also going back over the the other people's stories. So that made me able to make them real, I guess. I mean, I didn't know a Beth, but I knew of a Beth. So... I think that is the thing. I've just linked it to my own experiences and that helps with uh, making them more 3D. And, you know, I learn, obviously, uh, as I as the story goes, you kind of learn with them as well. And as you say, things do change. Is it even However much you plan, things do change along the way. And I think that does come about because you think, oh, no, that isn't what she should do or I'm sure that that would happen in this case if I was her and and that's the other thing is putting yourself in their position you know that's I think with psychological thrillers that's one of the key things as well as like, okay what what would you do in that situation how would you react and you're trying to think of something that although it's thrilling because obviously you've got to have the thriller part of the thrilling <laughs> of, a, of a psychological thriller but you also want something that maybe someone could go yeah maybe I'd do that rather than think oh god that's ridiculous why would they do that you're trying to make it a little bit more relatable. Even if that person hasn't been in the situation themselves, they can see themselves in it. You are trying to make sure that you're giving the reader that experience in a journey. So you do, it sounds simple to say you need a beginning, middle, and end, because that is o- oversimplifying it, but because you need all those different things in between times. But it's the things like the maybe short, sharp chapters um, ending on the sort of a cliffhanger of sorts. So all those things are in your mind when you're writing. And certainly if if they're not in your mind when you're writing the first draft, when you come to review the book, you will be thinking, okay, will the reader want to turn the page at this point? Maybe I should add something a little bit more dramatic in here. And so you get, you've always got the reader. And psychological thriller readers, I mean, they go through a lot of books, most of them. So you know that you have to give what's expected yet also give the unexpected so that's always in your mind as you're writing I think or it was in mine
1: you mentioned earlier a difficult part that you said it was all easy to write oh yeah there was one difficult part now obviously you don't want to spoil too much but when you oh no,
2: it's fine this isn't a spoiler this is just my stupidity with something so the police procedural part of it so basically what happened is I'd written it all this planning all this wonderful stuff and then I got to the end and thought oh, hang on, that should have happened much earlier. And when the copy editor looked at the novel, she basically said, well, you're going to have to change all of this. (laughs) It's just like, oh, my God, I've done it all wrong. So it was to do with the timeline of the police side of it that I'd kind of messed up. So I had to rewrite a bit of that. And you know what it's like. So you change one thing and you've got the whole butterfly effect then, so yeah, that was quite that was quite a challenge and a little bit stressful, but we did it. <laughs> it was fine. But so yeah, the, the, I don't know why I. There's it, it a particular point where something should have happened, and I left it until quite later to the novel before it happened, and then, I mean, that would be quite a big. I mean, they'd, that would be picked up on. You know I mean, it would be a complete no-no if it was left the way it was. So yeah, a little bit of editing took place there.
1: I. I I know that you, you, you knew what was, was happening and things were changing as you were writing organically. Talk to us about when you felt you, you were coming towards the end when you were writing the story. Uh, how did it hove into view? How much did you instantly know, ah, that's going to end? And, and kind of how much did it change en route? I knew the final,
2: how, how it was going to end in terms of the final twist, if you like, um, so I'd written to that, but then, I don't know, I felt like I wanted a little something extra. So that's the bit. So there was a planned element of the twist, and then there was the unplanned element of the twist. So the actual novel finishes slightly different to how I had envisaged, but not a whole lot, not completely, just enough to make a bit more of a... <gasps> you know, moment at the end. I, Cause I want, I quite like that when I'm reading a novel, I quite like the end to give me something a little bit more, you know, you just think you think it's over and it's not. <laughs> so um, yeah, I just like to add in that little bit it was, it was quite fun. And I, I don't know why I knew it needed it. I don't, it didn't necessarily need it, but I just thought it'd be a fun thing to do. And because I did enjoy writing it so much, I just, you know, I, I kind of got that little
1: bit of a buzz at the end. Of like, Oh, I've decided that bit in. that was exciting <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that's because because you knew you were writing to an end point uh, as as a writer and as the reader that you are as well because maybe you knew the twist that was happening the whole time you, you kind of the the reader and you needed something else just to keep yourself satisfied yeah. and to give yourself a little surprise yeah that's a
2: good point I think it probably was yeah because <laughs> you know not that it it's There's no point of this where I was bored at all. I really loved every bit of it. However, like you said, because perhaps I knew too much of what was going to happen. Yeah, I wanted to surprise myself a little bit as well. And yeah, so just that was quite nice. I enjoyed
1: it. Now, um, this is the, the, the debut Alice Hunter novel. What have you learned about writing this and about how your day works and maybe when you come to write future stories, you won't have to be, hopefully you won't have to be scrolling through COVID numbers every morning. <laughs> what What have you learned about the way that you work that will impact the, the way that you work going forward?
2: I think um, adaptability is a key thing. So now obviously things are different. So now thinking of future writing, I'm back to like mornings again. Um, so I think it's almost like don't allow anything to, stop you from writing just alter things you know you've just got to go with what you're given in life so family you know, there's so many commitments isn't there you've got to write around and you know th- there can be this thing of oh I've got to write first thing in the morning as soon as I get up or I've got to do this so I think maybe I've learned I don't have to do anything I can I can work this the way I need for myself and still hit a deadline because you know you have got deadlines. That's a, the different thing as well, isn't it? Of, of writing, you know, it's lovely to write and take your time, but you can't take too much time because you've got to get it in and you've got to send it to your editor. And there's all these things that need to happen. So you've got to be, you have got to be focused. But I think there's ele- there's an element of being able to swap things about if it doesn't work for you. So that's my biggest thing. I think I've learned is that. I don't need to stress that if I had not got up at 6.30 in the morning, and started straight away, um, I can, as long as I can fit it in my day somewhere, then that's good. Um, but I have actually altered now, things are back to sort of normal. Um, I'm getting up, I am getting up early in the morning, but I'm not writing or anything. I'm going out for a walk. So that's my new routine is to get up at 6.30, go straight outside, go for a nice walk because, you know, I live in a, in a, Country, which is lovely, so I'm trying to make the most of of being able to get out, and that also gives me thinking time of what I might write next because there isn't a at the moment there's nothing in the pipeline, so I'm trying to think of st- story ideas now, so that's my new thing and other things I've learned is maybe my system might be a little bit mad, but you know it had worked. The only thing I would now think about is things like timelines because I was so focused on the timeline for the characters and the story, I didn't think about the police side of things. So that's definitely going to be in my mind for future. And I won't make that mistake again. Um, I don't know anything. Uh, There's just so much. I mean, just the process of writing each time you're learning a little bit more about the structure and what works and what doesn't, but it's trying to keep things fresh as well. I think, you know, as I said, there's so many psychological thrillers. It's quite a dense market So to stand out in that, you need you know maybe something slightly different. So now I'm learning, okay, so this is what I've done for this book. What am I going to do for the next one? Because it can't be the same sort of structure. I might need to alter it quite a bit to make it stand out.
1: Huge thank you to Alice Hunter for coming on, talking about her debut, The Serial Killer's Wife. Um, If you've enjoyed the show, you can always... Pledge and support us at patreon.com forward slash writersroutine. That is it for this year. We are back with a fresh roster of incredible writers. We've got a full schedule in the new year. Uh, I think quite early on in the new year, we might have an episode for you in the very first week, might be the second week. Stick around, make sure you follow our socials to find out more. We are at writerspod on Twitter and we're always at writersroutine.com as well. It's probably the best place that you can get in touch with us. You can always help out by leaving a review over on Apple Podcasts if that's how you listen. And I will see you next year. Have a very Merry Christmas. At the time of recording, I don't know how much of a Christmas we'll be allowed to have, but make the best of it uh, and have a very happy new year and I'll see you in 2022. Until then, bye. (music)